You know, back in 1984, the New York Times ran a profile on a man who was at that time considered to be the most winning coach in football, Coach Don Shula of the Miami. And he was asked during that interview to talk about what is known back then as the Shula system. And he said very simply, we do not let an error go unchallenged. Because uncorrect errors have a way of multiplying. But the reporter persisted. And he said, what about small flaws during practice? And Shula asked, answered the question by asking the reporter, what is a small flaw? What is a small flaw? This is a great question that each of us should be asking ourselves not only every single day, but several times during the day. What is a small flaw in my integrity, in my morality, in my honesty, in my relationship with God? What is a small flaw? And in the church, what is a small flaw in the church? What is a, a, in doctrine of the church, in the teaching of the truth of the Word of God and obedience to the Word of God? What is a small flaw? I personally will never forget the day. It was January 28, 1986. This is before the birthing of the Church of the Apostles. I was in my previous ministry. And I was having lunch at the boardroom, conference room with a British friend of mine uh, visiting from England by the name Mike Penny. And I know Mike watches from England, and he probably uh, knows the story because we were sitting there having lunch, and one of the staff members came running and said, turn the television on, turn the television on. We had a tiny little television kind of in the, in, at the end of the conference room, the, and, and there we saw the footage being played over and over and over again of the shuttle Challenger exploding mid-air 73 seconds from liftoff. All the investigations and the trouble they went to came down to a small flaw, a small flaw. And that stopped the program, space program, for three years. Or shuttle Columbia, February 1, 2000, and three, it was blown to smithereen on returning to earth atmosphere, heading to, for, to landing in California. Reason, a small flaw, a small flaw. Beloved, every disaster, listen to me, every disaster starts with a small flaw. Every disaster, whether it be in personal lives or in life of a church or the life of of anyone, because we know even, a, even a, a large forest fire starts with a tiny spark. A fatal car crash can result from a split second of inat inattention. We know throughout history, throughout history, I've always been fascinated with history. Every catastrophic heresy that's taken place in the church in the 2,000 years, every one of them started with a minor deviation from the Word of God. Tiny deviation. And so as we come to the second chapter 
of 2 Thessalonians in this series of messages, look up when everybody else is looking down. We're going to see a huge spiritual danger that was hidden. Started with a small flaw in their thinking. When it comes to the truth of the Word of God, please listen to me. When it comes to the truth of the Word of God, there is no such thing as small flaw. There is no such thing as a small error. Every apostate church that has turned itself back on Christ and on the gospel of Jesus Christ and on the truth of the Word of God started with a small flaw. They started with seemingly minor deviation. They called it a reinterpretation of the Word of God. They started by saying, well, you need, we need to be tolerant of those whose thinking differ from ours. Sounds good, right? But it doesn't stop there. It never stops there. Read history. It goes into the next stage, which is we start dumping big parts, major parts of the Bible, dumping the parts that we don't like, dumping the parts that are going to offend those whose thinking are different from ours. And then they move to all religions are equally true. All religions lead to God. All religions lead to heaven. And that slippery slope just keeps on going in a downward direction, in a downward direction, in a downward direction, and we're seeing it with our own eyes right now. In Exodus 3.14, when God called Moses, and Moses said to him, Who do I tell them sent me? He said, Tell them I am sent you. And then God goes on to say, For I am who I am. Would you say that with me? I am who I am. He never said, I am what you want me to be. Or I am what you believe me to be. I'll never forget back in the early 80s, an Episcopal bishop asked me the question. For some strange reason, I wasn't even part of the church at the time, but he would invite me and wants to know, said, what do the people who believe the Bible think about this? <laughs> what do you evangelicals think about this? And he wanted to know, and I was, you know, very obliging, but I wouldn't give in an inch. And one time he got so exasperated with me, I'll never forget it. He, say, he said, is there nothing that we can learn from other religions? I looked him in the eye. I said, absolutely not. Darkness has nothing to teach the light. Buddha, Krishna, and Muhammad have nothing to teach the Christ. Oh, listen, we love people who are caught up in these false religions. We love every one of them. And we do everything within our power. We do everything that we can in order to bring them to the light of Christ. And that is why we broadcast in 195 countries 13,000 times. Why do you think I work at my age? Seventeen or eighteen hours a day. I love every bit of it. Don't misunderstand me. Thinking, planning, praying. How do we take the gospel to the ends of the earth? 
And the question remains, what is a small flaw? What harm could it do? Oh, this is the question that the Apostle Paul is confronting here in the church of Thessaloniki, or Thessalonica, as some people would pronounce it, in the second chapter. Turn it with me. Turn to it with me, please, as you prepare. We saw, those of you who were here in the first chapter, how the Apostle Paul was thanking God for these wonderful believers in that church in Thessalonica or Thessaloniki, despite of the turmoil, despite of the persecution, despite of the suffering, they were faithful to God. They, were perse- they had persevering faith. But what happened after Paul left the town? As always in every place, always, <laughs> these false teachers came into the church, and they began to preach deception, deception, falsehood. These false teachers, these false preachers, were so wicked, they were so evil, <laughs> that, that they're actually to the point of forgery, forgery. They produced some false letters supposedly came from the Apostle Paul, and these false letters were supposed to be saying to them, the return of Christ has taken place already. It's already happened. It's already happened. Just, I want you to put yourself in their place, right? Just, just put yourself in their place. Here you are, an enduring persecution, an enduring suffering with faith and perseverance, and you are expecting the return of Christ for the day of your reward, and you're living faithfully to the Lord, expecting His return any time. And they were told, it's already happened. You missed out on it. <laughs> Sometimes when I come in the office and they, they will have a meeting or something and the offices are empty and I, I joke, I said, what, the rapture had come and I wasn't here. <laughs> uh, joking aside, by the way, I want to tell you, every generation, every generation from the time of Jesus, every generation must live and with the expectancy of the return of Christ in their time. Every generation. Bible teaches that. John Wesley used to say, I'm on my knees and I pray and I live as if Christ coming back today. But I plan as if he's not coming back for a hundred years. You see, and that's why Paul immediately reaches for his pen to expose these false teachers with the truth. And in doing so, he gives us some of the great teaching on the second coming of Christ. And I pray to God that you will be blessed by those word of God as I was blessed all week preparing. So I know you, most of you, if not all of you, have turned to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. And in the Pew Bible, if you don't have your own Bible, just Pew Bible is page 1843. 1843. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to Him, we ask you, brethren, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by some prophecy reported, report or letter supposedly have come from us, saying that the day of the Lord has already come. See, that's what they were doing. 
forgeries. Do not let anyone, say that with me, do not deceive you in any way. I'm going to explain that when I get to the text. For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man who's doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself above everything that is called God or worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. Don't you remember that when I was with you, I told you these things? And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed in the proper time. For the secret of power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who's now holding it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus Christ will overthrow by the breath of His mouth and destroy Him by the splendor of His coming. Praise God. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance to the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth, not just believe the truth, to love the truth and be saved. For this reason, what reason? The reason of the rejection of the truth and not loving the truth. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion so that they will believe the lie, and so that all will be condemned who have not believed the truth, but have delighted in wickedness. Father God, there are times like this when I have no words, no eloquent words to pray but to cry out to you, Holy Spirit, and say, come. Come. We know you dwell in all the believers, so we ask you to speak to our minds, speak to our hearts, speak to our wills, so that we would walk out of here. Men and women, boys and girls, who have been transformed by the, transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing Paul wanted to do here is to reassure these wonderful believers that the parousia, say that with me, the parousia, can you say it together? The parousia. No, come on. The, that's the Greek word for the return of Christ. Now you got it, okay? That the parousia, or the second coming of Christ, has not yet taken place. Paul counted falsehood with the truth. Beloved, always, always count 
falsehood with the truth. So he tells them and us that the day had not come and it will not come until the rebellion occurs. I'm going to explain that. Rebellion occurs. And the man of lawlessness, the man doomed to destruction. You know that, that, that there are only two people in the Bible with doomed to destruction? The Antichrist, of whom I'm going to be talking this morning, and Judas Iscariot. They were doomed to destruction because they rejected the truth. The NIV says, of course, the rebellion, the rebellion. This is a, that's an, the rebellion. It's known, in other words, as global apostasy. You say, what's apostasy? Is when people who were supposedly be in churches turn their back on the truth of the gospel. That's what apostasy is from the A, you turn around, apostasy in the Greek. Don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Please, I'll plead with you. He is talking about this rejection of biblical truth by people in the church. The people who may have pretended that they are believers in Christ, but then they turn their back on the truth of the gospel. And that's right. The non-believers, they don't know the truth. They haven't accepted the truth. They don't turn their back on something they have never accepted. They don't turn their back on something they've never really been part of. So he's speaking to people in the church who will turn their back on the truth of the gospel, and we're seeing it every single day. I told you in the last message that this false teaching that's permeating the church, all churches of all denominations, in fact, 70%, if you add the Catholics and the Protestants and everybody together, 70% of them say, Jesus may be my Savior, but He's not the Savior of the world. I told you that, but there's 64% within so-called evangelical churches. This is the preparation of the world for the coming and the rule of the Antichrist. This is paving the ground, preparing the ground for the coming of the Antichrist. Listen to me. This is the burden of my heart. Paul is not making this stuff up. He's learned it from Scripture. And I'm going to show you now. You see, always interpret the Scripture with the Scripture. Don't take a verse and run with it. I mean, it's fine to have, you know, memorize some verses, but always interpret the Scripture with the Scripture. People get off into an era when they start doing their own interpretation. And so we read about this man of lawlessness or lawless one from Daniel chapter 9 and from our Lord Jesus Christ's own lips in Matthew 24. Both Daniel's prophecy and our Lord Jesus Christ's teaching, 700 years apart, saying the same thing about this character. Here's biblical truth. Listen carefully. There's always, always in the last 2,000 years have been evil leaders in the world. Always. There have been evil leaders everywhere. Uh, from the Herod who killed all those babies in, in Bethlehem uh, to the uh, tyrants who ruled Rome to Hitler, Mussolini, Stalin, Mao, and on and on and on and on. They're always evil leaders in the world. But when the long 
prophesied Antichrist is revealed, he will surpass them all. He's not going to be a local person. He's going to be all over the world. He will be ruling the globe. The Antichrist, known by several names, the man of lawlessness or the lawless one or the man who's doomed to destruction, as I told you. Uh, in Revelation, Paul referred to him as the beast. In John's epistles, John says there are many antichrists. And think about this with antichrist with a small a. Here is the truth. Anyone, I don't care if they're in a pulpit or not, anyone, wherever they are, if they oppose the person of Christ, the work of Christ, the divinity of Christ, the uniqueness of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, the truth of Christ, that person is manifesting the spirit of the Antichrist. But the final Antichrist with a capital A <laughs> is going to be Satan's ultimate creation. He will embody the worst characteristics of all these antichrists with small a. Now, I don't want to leave you without emphasizing verse 3 again. Do not. Say it with me. Do not. Do not let anyone deceive you in any way. In fact, the Greek is what they call double negative. Double negative meaning don't ever, 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 ever allow yourself to be deceived. It doesn't matter who it is. My beloved, most of you know, some might not, that for 50 years, since my first time, February 1972, when I stood behind a pulpit for the first time, to this day, for those 50 years, it has been the longing of my heart and the desire of my heart. Listen, no, more, no, no one more aware of my foibles, my weaknesses, my shortcomings, my Achilles heels, more than I am and the Lord. But the one thing I sought to do for 50 years is to plead with believers to be more discerning. I would literally go on my knees if it helps. Be discerning. And don't get carried away with false teaching and false teachers and with small flaws. Why is that important? Because the end times could be upon us without any warning, and we need to be spiritually prepared. Because being taken in by these scam artists, that's what they are, the scam artists, actually places your soul in jeopardy because that seems like a small flaw or what seems to be like a small flaw could be enormous eternal consequences for you. Verse 5, don't you remember when I was with you, I used to tell you these things. You can see the, the tone of disappointment in the apostles' words. 
Nothing breaks the heart of a pastor. And somebody who sat under the Word of God for so many years, and they got taken in by false teachers. Nothing breaks the heart of a pastor more than that. Paul knew that many in the church, the believers, not the bride of Christ, not the elect of God, but many in the church are going to fall away from the faith immediately before the return of Christ. And when he speaks of falling away from the faith, he's referring to those who claim to be Christians. Those who may have gone to Mass every Sunday, those who may attend churches every time the door is open. Yet the heart has not been regenerated. They have not been born again of the Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit is not dwelling in them. They're the ones like Judas Iscariot who've heard the truth, known the truth, but like Judas Iscariot, they turn away from the truth when the heat is on. You and I know that this is the overthrowing of the truth that is happening today. You know, and I know, it's on the way already. There's not a week goes by without hearing of some preacher or some evangelist or some, so some singer turning their back on the gospel. Now, I'm not saying, listen to me very carefully, I'm not saying that the great apostasy or the falling away is here. I'm not saying that, but I do believe it's already started. As a personal opinion, take it and throw it away. But don't miss what I'm going to tell you. Paul draws a relationship, and I told you this last week. He draws a relationship between this falling away from the truth of the gospel and the Antichrist. There's a connection here in the construction of the sentence. And that is why, as I said, I told you last message, that all those people who are rejecting biblical truth are paving the way for the rule of the Antichrist to be revealed. This is a preparation of the masses in the minds of the masses to become blind, obedient to the Antichrist. And I told you the statistics about those who say there are many ways for God. These are in the church. These are preachers. You know, it's a preparation has begun. You know how during COVID we watched with our own eyes capital cities, big cities, world, worldwide, absolutely empty. The streets were empty. People living in terror and fear and horror. We saw just a little glimpse of that. And we saw how authoritarianism in the West raised its ugly head. People got arrested in England, Australia, and every part of the world. Canada, they arrested a pastor. Every time he goes and opens the church, they arrest him and put him in prison. But that's going to be child play in comparison to those who have rejected God's absolutes and follow the Antichrist. You will see people blindly obeying what the Antichrist will tell them to do. They will deny the moral laws and replace them with pride in sin. Preachers who have rejected God's plan for marriage and perverted, will comply with the Antichrist. All these things are just preparation. 
the beginning of the appearance of the Antichrist, he will appear to be sympathetic with Christians, sympathetic with all religious people. Even they're going to pretend to be religious himself. In the beginning of his appearance, he will pretend to be very understanding, very compassionate. But then, as the world is ready, he will be free to show what he's really like. Uh, then he will persecute faithful believers in earnest. The Antichrist will also desecrate the temple of the Holy Spirit. Question. Are you listening? Say amen. amen. Who is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The believers. The believers are the temple of the Holy where the Holy Spirit dwells, the true believers. How is the Antichrist going to desecrate the temple of the Holy Spirit? Ah, by demanding that they worship Him and, refuse, and, and those who refuse will be put to death. But listen to me, I need to hasten to say, those of us who have placed our whole trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we do not fear the Antichrist at all. We need to fear the Lord's return. Because Paul makes it very clear here, very clear, both in the construction of the sentence and even in the language itself, that the reign of the Antichrist is not going to last for very long. It's a very short period of time. He will just appear and start doing all these things, and what's going to happen? He's immediately, he's going to be smitten by the breath of the returning Jesus. Amen. Give God glory. Beloved, listen to me. We do not fear darkness because we are children of light. Look at verses 6 to 12. I'm only covering the first 12 verses. I'll cover the rest of it in the next message. In verse 6, he said, And now you know what is holding him back, that he, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. God's timing. God's timing. The second half of verse 7, but the one who's now holding it back will continue to do so until he's taken out of the way. Listen very carefully, please. The whole concept of straining and holding back are going to be illustrated from my personal life. Please don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me, okay? I've got to, I, I don't like to even talk about myself, but I do it whenever it's going to bring glory to God and illustrate a biblical concept. My family knows, and some of my friends here in the church know, that I'm afraid of dogs. Now, don't, don't, don't be offended. And I hope those who are watching, don't get offended until you hear me out, Okay? <laughs> People get really angry. You don't love dogs? <laughs> you have no idea. Almost like, like I'm blaspheming or something. <laughs> but you have to understand why. And I'm going to explain to you. And hopefully illustrate what Paul is saying here. Growing up, I've never seen one of those, not even close, those lovable little dogs that you have at your house. I've never seen one, okay? All that I knew 
or attack dogs who protected our property. These dogs were so vicious, they were so dangerous, they mauled a man in a few minutes. It's absolutely terrifying. My father was the only one who could get near them. And therefore, he would get up early in the morning, and he would tie them up in chains so that people can come and go in the property. But nighttime, he sets them loose to go around. Remember how the Bible talks about Jesus coming as a thief in the night? And I've told you this before, that in the Middle East, back then, even now, thieves do not come in the daytime, only in nighttime when people are asleep. They're tired, they're asleep, and they come and steal. Not in the daytime. That's why you see it in the Scripture, like a thief in the night when you don't know. You're not aware. Watching my father restraining these vicious attack dogs reminds me often of 2 Thessalonians 2.7. For now, God is restraining evil the way my father restrained those vicious dogs. Listen to me. I don't blame you if you are a person who will look around and see the horrors of what's going on even in our own culture and around the world. All the stuff is taking place, and you wonder if evil really being restrained. Trust me, it is being restrained. If God is not actively holding back and holding down and, and suppressing Satan and his power, we would see nothing less than hell on earth. People have speculated, of course, through the years, and I'm going to give you all the views. And remember this, these are wonderful people, all love God, people I love and respect, but they all have different views about who is restraining, who is the one who is doing the restraining. Well, I'll give you just an example. There are some people who say that it's the church. It's the church that's causing the restrain, restraining Satan. Otherwise, when the church is taken away, all hell will break loose. Other equally wonderful people said it's the nation of Israel. Others still, including my dear friend and mentor for many years, the late Dr. John Stott of England, he said, it's the government that's restraining force. <laughs> he did not live through to see the government wants to defund the police. I'll move on. Still others have said that the restraining power that's holding back evil is the Archangel Michael. I'm giving you all these views. You take your pick. You're not going to lose your salvation one way or the other, okay? I am not a doctrinaire. You know, you, you, you just do whatever you... You, 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 you believe in your heart. As long as you place your whole faith in Jesus, <laughs> I'm fine with that. But in verse 7, Paul speaks of this restraining power in the masculine gender, which suggests to me at least that this restraining power is a person. 
And there can only one person who can restrain Satan and his human puppet, the Antichrist, and that's God Himself. God Himself. Only God could say to Satan, you can come so far, but not any further. Only God could have said to, said to him, test my son, my child, Job, but you cannot take his life. You can sift Peter as wheat, but you cannot destroy him. Meanwhile, Satan does not like it. He does not like being restrained. He does not like being pinned down by God's timetable. And Satan doesn't like being restrained by the sovereign authority of the power of God. He wants nothing more than to reveal his false Messiah so that he may usurp the glory of God. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. Don't ever forget. I always want you to be looking at your Bible. This time I just want you to look at me for seconds, just for a few seconds. I know it's not, not very pretty, but that's okay. Just look at me, okay? Right now, Jesus' foot is on Satan's neck. Right now, Jesus' foot is on Satan's neck. Beloved, listen. We see now clearly how satanic lawlessness operates in the world. We're seeing it. Maybe a few years ago we, we said, well, how would that work? We're seeing it now. In government, in schools, in workplaces, and in some of our neighborhoods. We are seeing how the lying spirits infiltrating the media infiltrating government, infiltrating big businesses uh, with this big reset. Read about it. School curriculums want to destroy the minds of the children as young as kindergarten. Many public schools require students to learn about the five pillars of Islam, but never the Ten Commandments, under the guise of tolerance, but separation of church and state. Question, where does this inverted thinking, where does it come from? Because the power of lawlessness is already at work. Hasn't taken over yet. False religions of the gods of the environments are terrifying our children. And make no mistake about it, it is a religion Worshipping Gaia, the Mother Earth. Read about it. My wife would tell you, I am being, con I can serve, I'm, I, I've, done, I've been doing this before they were born. But it has nothing to do with conserving. It has nothing to do with being a good steward. This is religion. And it's premiering the whole world today. Every, I watch the Chinese news, I watch the Arab news, I watch all. It's a religion that's uniting the world. Verses 9 to 12, the Antichrist will perform miracles. How else will he deceive the non-discerning? How else? The demonic miracles will be believed by most people in the world. The whole most population of the world will believe it. 
In Matthew 24, 24, I don't want you to miss this. Don't miss this. Matthew 24, 24. And I'm going to read it carefully because I know I once quoted the Scripture and somebody misunderstood me completely. That Jesus is saying that these miracles will look so real that it will deceive if possible. I want you to repeat that, those two words, if possible. Can you say it with me? Even the elect. Beloved, if we do not stand for the full truth of Christ, we will fall for the lie of the Antichrist. Those who are not anchored in Christ alone will fall for the magic tricks and the special effects of the Antichrist. Those who demand signs and wonders to believe and reject the cross of Christ will follow the Antichrist all the way to hell. Those who do not anchor their faith in the truth of the Word of God, the inerrant Word of God, will bet their eternal destruction on satanic deception. Finally, Paul said, verse 11, for this reason, what reason? For this reason of their refusing to love the truth, for this reason, God sent them a spirit of delusion. Powerful spirit of delusion because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. I'm not saying that the Word of God said that. Some of you are saying, Oh, Michael, is that really fair? Is that fair? Shouldn't God give them another chance to believe the truth? My beloved friends, listen to me. I'm getting close to the end. Listen to me. God, throughout the Scripture, throughout the Scripture, you see it over and over and over again, always gives us more of what we want. He gives us more of what we want. The first four or five plagues on Egypt, it says, Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. God said, okay, I'm going to give you more of what you already asked for. I'm hardening your heart even further. Three times in Romans chapter 1, Paul said, God gave them over. God gave them over. God gave them over. Listen to me, please. Right now, God is providing everyone, everyone around the world. We are watched by hundreds of countries. He's providing everyone in the world an opportunity to turn to Him so that He might soften our hearts and believe in Him. At this very moment, even as dark as some of us can see it, uh, even as dark as it may look, and yet it is not night time yet. It's still daytime. A time when God is restraining Satan. A time when God is restraining the Antichrist. A time when God is restraining the onslaught of demonic evil. A time when God is restraining evil forces just like my father would restrain these vicious dogs in the daytime. It's the daytime. It's morning. Night is coming. Night is coming. The time is coming, and it may be sooner than any of us think, when all of the restraints will be removed, when nighttime of history arrives, 
and it will be too late. There will be no escape from the coming night. The escape is now. The escape is today. The day of salvation is today. Don't postpone it, not even one hour. Now is the time of repentance. Now is the time of turning to the Lord. Now is the time when no one will be turned away by God. He promised so. Don't wait until it's nighttime. Don't wait for the man of lawlessness to be revealed. 